I got so caught up in all that was happening, I forgot to turn my mic on, and for some reason that seems important. So uh, I'll just do it now. Hey, listen, thanks for being here today. We're so glad you're here at Mile Straight. Uh, we would love for you to uh, give us a record of your attendance today, and we'd love for you just to take a moment and fill out the connection card you'll find in the bulletin. At the end of the service, we'll give you a chance to give it back to us when the offering plate comes by. Uh, there's also something else in the bulletin I would love for you to take out now. It is extremely important for our study, and that is our study guide. You'll find that also in your bulletin. If you'll locate that, take advantage of the clipboards and the pens and the book racks around you, and uh, take good notes. You're going to find that even when we finish the note part of our discussion, that you're going to need this sheet out still. Uh, don't put it up because there are going to be some additional things I'm going to ask you to add as we get near the end that are going to be especially pertinent to our discussion. Now you'll see that our study today involves the title, They're Watching. I'm not going to take time to explain that because it's going to be incredibly self-explanatory as we move through our discussion. So if you would, just take a look at our verse for today, Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6 reads like this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's really good advice, but uh, there's some differences of opinion about what that involves, and so as a result, I began to study and research the passage, and even though this particular passage is not the full direction of our thoughts this morning. It's still, I believe, very vital that we understand what it's talking about. And so, as I studied it myself, I read through a lot of different commentaries trying to get a handle on it. And I ran across in a commentary that was written probably in the 40s. I didn't take time, as I should have, to find out. But it's probably from the 40s. They quoted a guy named Bishop... Uh, Bishop Patrick. Now that to me was an unknown name. I, I didn't know it. Probably at the time the commentary was written, it was a well-established name. People knew exactly who he was. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't know him, so I decided that I'd better find out who he was before I inserted something he said into our discussion this morning. And so I did that. I, I dug back trying to find out who it was, and it was hard to find out exactly who it was. Uh, for certain anyway, because the, uh, the quote that they used, it wasn't addressed very well. They didn't specify who this person was. So I researched it, and the only person I can find that's logically acceptable to be added to this, this particular quote is a guy that was born in Ireland. Uh, he went by Bishop Patrick. He was born in 1872. He died in 1928. And he was established as a scholar of the Word of God, one who seemed to know the Word of God because he studied it, he prayed over it. And uh, it seems from what I read about him that God spoke to him very clearly through the Holy Spirit about the Word of God, and so he had a good understanding. I think that's revealed in what this quote is all about. It kind of summarizes the verse, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Notice this, what he says. He says, train a child as soon as ever he is capable and season his mind with the principles of virtue before he receives other impressions. 
And it is most likely they will grow up with him so that when he is older, he will not forsake them, but retain them as long as he lives. Now that to me was an incredible statement on this verse. Train up a child. We have a responsibility, a God-given responsibility to pour the virtues of God's word into our children at the very moment they're able to retain them and start understanding. And I would submit to you that even before our children are born that we start teaching them the principles of God. We start speaking to them and as they come out and as they begin to grow that we continually pour the Word of God into them as he said before others have the opportunity to influence them what we want to do as parents is pour the foundation of the Word of God into their lives and into their souls and into their hearts before anyone else has an opportunity to counter that information we want to set a bedrock in their lives of the Word of God I think that's so important for us to understand and comprehend and he goes on to tell us that we do this so that when they're old, these principles will still be with them. Not that they won't stray from the faith. Not that they won't turn and leave the way of God, the plan of God for their lives. But that these principles will still be in their lives and they will draw them back to the truth of God's word. Draw them back to a relationship with Jesus Christ. How important that information is. So then God has given us a responsibility to train our children. Now, there are a lot of ways for us to train our children. Uh, for some, uh, you could say, well, I'm training my children here today. I've got them in church. God said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so I brought my children here so that they can hear the word of God and they can be instructed. And they also find that, that training involves... Uh, uh, small groups and Bible studies and Sunday school classes and it involves our, our children's meetings, kids world meetings, preschool meetings, our youth meetings to where our pastors are teaching them and instructing them and they're being trained in those ways and yes there are a lot of additional ways we could add into the mix here but the one way I want us to focus on this morning is the example that we train our children by example. And so as a result, there are three thoughts I want to give you because I believe that our children are watching. Our children are watching. They may or may not watch and listen to what I say this morning. They may or may not listen to the small group leaders, Bible study leaders, discipleship leaders, the Sunday school teachers, the pastors from children's and youth groups. They may or may not listen, but you can rest assured as a parent, as a grandparent, that your children or grandchildren are watching you. And they are learning from you. Now it may be that they're learning the very best things they can possibly learn from you. But it also may be that they're learning the very worst things they can learn from you. It may be that they're learning very healthy things. Or it may be they're learning very damaging things. So today I want us to, to consider what they're watching and I want us to consider what they're learning from what they're watching and I want us to come to a place of understanding that this is significant in their lives and maybe as a result of the study we're gonna to come to the place where we say you know what I've got to make some changes and I'm praying that that's where God brings us this morning so three thoughts number one your first fill in is simply this they're watching 
to see how you love God. They're watching to see how we love God. They want to know how we love God. You'll see underneath that statement, under point number one, that there's somewhat of a summary statement that I've given that somewhat summarizes this particular thought, and it's that we shouldn't expect our kids to treat God with respect if we don't. Now, I believe that's a very rational thought. If we're not treating God with respect, why in the world would we expect our children to do so? See, they're watching to see how we love God. Our children have a keen way of knowing if it's hypocrisy or not. Our children have a way of zoning in on that which we tell them to do when we're doing something else. They have a keen way of zoning in on the way we act on Sunday versus the way we act through the rest of the week, don't they? They see it. They know it. It's kind of like the eagle that sits up on the highest tree on the highest mountain and somehow can zone in on the valley floor and find his prey and boom, he's got it. Our children have the ability to, to look into our lives and to know what's real and to know what is not real. There is absolutely no reason for us to expect that they will be followers of Christ if we're not. There's absolutely no reason for us to expect that they will live by godly virtues and by godly morals if we don't. We are the example. They are watching our lives to see how we love God. I wonder, what are they seeing? What are they seeing? So our children are watching to see how we love God. Number two, your second fill-in, they're also watching to see how we love others. Our children are watching to see how we love others. The summary statement that you'll see underneath this is that we shouldn't expect our kids to treat others with respect if we don't. I mean, why would we expect our children to do something that we don't? Because they're learning from us. We're the ones that are training them. We're the ones that have been given the responsibility to raise them up under the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And yet if we're not following the, the admonition of the Lord, why would we expect them to? The Bible is very clear. The two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And love your neighbor as yourself. Our children are watching to see if we're obedient to those commandments. They're watching to see how we follow through on what God has told us to do. And so they watch when we go to the restaurant how we treat the server. I have been in the company of people who have treated servers in such horrible ways that I was embarrassed to be sitting with them. I have watched as servers did an incredible job and were treated poorly when it came to time to reward them for their service. And you know what? If I've recognized that, you can rest assured our children recognize it as well. They watch to see how we pe treat people in the neighborhood. They watch to see how we treat people at work when they're around us in that environment. They watch to see how we treat people in our own family. They're watching to see if obedience to God's word is really important to us. And then they're going to mimic what we teach them. 
Our children are watching. Our grandchildren are watching. I just wonder what they're seeing. And so they're watching to see how we love God. They're watching to see how we love others. But number three, this is also so very important. They're watching to see how we love them. They're watching to see how we love them. The summary statement says we shouldn't expect our kids to treat themselves with respect if we don't. Now there's a couple of different ways I believe this watching takes place. Number one, they're watching through how we follow through on points one and two. We're saying that this, this Christian stuff is important. So then are we obedient to what God calls us to do? Are we obedient to the great commandment, the second great commandment? Are we loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and spirit? Are we loving our neighbors even as we love ourselves? Are we obedient to what God is calling us to do? Our children are watching. And how vital it is that they see us obedient to these commandments. Because when they're, when they're seeing us love God, they're seeing that they can trust God. They're seeing that God is important to us. And when they see how important God is to us, then all of a sudden, they see how important God should be to them. And they're watching to see how we treat others, how we love others. Do we treat them with respect? And let me tell you a very hard truth. When they're watching us to see how we treat others, they're watching with special interest to see how we treat our spouses. Did you know that if they're watching us treat our spouses rudely, harshly, indifferently, if they're seeing us treat with unkindness, with disrespect, our spouses, do you know what we're telling them? This is the kind of person you need to be looking for. You should not expect to be able to get a spouse that's any different than the person you're exampling or you're following their example. So then if I treat my wife badly, if I treat her disrespectfully, our daughter would grow up with the thought that you know what? I'm looking for someone who's going to treat me that way. I'm looking for someone who is going to disrespect me. I can think of very few things. There are some, but I can think of very few things that would crush my heart more than to see my daughter in an abusive relationship and to look back and understand that I'm responsible. Because I showed her by my example that that's the best she could hope for. What my example ought to show her, and I pray it did, is that what you ought to expect in your marriage is the very best. You ought to expect someone who is going to love you unconditionally, who is going to treat you with kindness and gentleness, who is going to lead you to Jesus Christ, who is going to help you follow Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. 
This person is the very best person in the world, and you deserve absolutely nothing less than that. That's what I want my example to have shown my daughter. But the second part of this is that they're also watching and learning how we love them based upon where we spend our attention. Now I know that this is going to fly in our faces. But I can tell you from personal experience, our daughter's 27 years old now. Some of my deepest regrets in life involve what I'm about to talk to you about. Now you can be wise and you can learn from this if you want to. And you can change your plan of attack right now. Whether your children are, are on the way, not thought about yet, or they're growing up, wherever they are in life, you can start right now to change your plan of attack. Or you can get where I am at 51 years old and live with the regrets of what you did when your children were little. Because my daughter would come in after I'd been at work all day and she'd want to play and she'd want to wrestle. But I was so interested in the television that what I was telling her was that television is what I love more than you. Now you can take this from the heart of a broken-hearted person. Or you can decide to continue what you're doing that the phone, the internet, social media, the computer are all so important that you've got to spend your afternoon and your evening with them at the expense of your children. But you can rest assured that you're telling your child, this is what I love more than you. So what's at stake here? If you would, under point number three, if you would just write the word WAS, W-A-S in capital letters, and put a period beside each signifying that this stands for something, and it stands for what's at stake. And then if you would do the same thing under point number two and point number one, I want to work backwards through this. What's at stake, point number three, is their security. Our children, to know that they are loved, builds security into them. For our children to go through life wondering, thinking that they're second best to the television or the computer, it builds an insecurity in them, and they're going to be looking for love everywhere else except in the place they should be finding it, and that's through their parents. And you're talking about bringing heartache to parents. Our children need desperately to know that we love them unconditionally. What's at stake with point number two? Our children are watching to see how we love others. What's at stake are their relationships. Their relationships. We can show them a godly example of how to treat others. That others are important. Just as the Bible says we're to consider the needs of others as greater than our own, we are, we are to look out for that 
which belongs to others. We're to care for others. We're to treat them with respect. We're to love them even as we love ourselves. And if we show them, we model that example, then when it comes time for them to be in relationships, they're going to find it to be much easier. Much easier. Because they already have in their thoughts that these people are important. I don't just treat them any way I want to. But on the other side of this, if we model a bad example, what we're going to teach them is that I'm the most important party here. It's all about me. And as a result, the relationships are going to be very strained and very difficult. What's at stake? This is a big one. The relationships. What's at stake? Their security, but... When we come to what's at stake with point number one, we find this to be much more important. Because our kids are watching to see how we love God. What's at stake here is their eternal salvation. Eternity is at stake. Because we're teaching them either to love God or to put on a good show that we do. And if we're teaching them through a good show, we're just showing them that, hey, you can act one way on Sunday and let everybody think it's real, but the rest of the week, hey, it's no big deal. And what we're telling them is that you don't really need God. God's not important. And when it comes time for them to make a decision for Jesus Christ, we may once again be heartbroken to find that we've stood in the way of that. What's at stake? It's huge. So what do we do with this information? I wish you'd turn your page over. Because I want to give you five steps that I think are vital for us to do right now with this information. Number one is we have to recognize what's at stake. Don't just write it down, but recognize that there is so much involved in us being a godly example for our children. Their security, their relationships, their eternity. We have to be everything God has called us to be. We have to train our children by our example. Number two, put away your pride. Put away your pride. We recognize what's at stake and we put away our pride because this flies in the face of most of us. Because most of us are going to be guilty in some way. And so we can either soul up and get mad about it or we can put the pride aside and say, you know what, my children are more important right now than this. So number two, we put away the pride. Number three, we recognize our failures. Recognize our failures. If I have failed to show my children a godly example of loving God, of loving others and loving them, then I need to face it. I need to own it. I can, I can sit here and make excuses for it. 
I can sit here and vindicate what I've done. That's a bad word. I'm trying to think of a better one. But I can, I can try to rationalize why I've acted the way I have. And I can allow things just to go right on the way they are. Or I can own my failures. And I can begin to change to make a difference. So I recognize my failures. Number four, I confess my failures to God as sin. I confess my failures to God as sin. Because if I'm not loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, spirit, I'm not loving my neighbor as myself, and I'm not training my child through my example and through my love for them, then I am sinning against God because God's given me a responsibility to raise my child and soon my grandchild for the glory of God. So I recognize what's at stake. I put aside my pride. I recognize my failures. I confess it to God. And number five, I think this is also a vital part of healing. I confess it to my children as well. This is a hard part for us as parents, but if you've done number two well, you've put aside the pride, this is going to be much easier. But I think there's healing when I go to my daughter and say, you know what? I failed you. I did not love you the way I was supposed to. I let the TV be more important to me. And I did not show you a godly example of loving others and loving God. And I am so sorry. But I have committed my ways to the Lord. I've submitted myself to Him. And from this day forward, I am intent upon providing you the right example. Your child may be in early toddler years or before. Your child may be 5 or 6 or 8 or 10 or 15 or 16 or 20 or 27. Your child may be 40 or 50. But you know what? There's never a bad time to start modeling a good example for your children. And why? Because there is so much at stake. <laughs>